The first thing I want you to uh, write down is um, something about, um, I, I don't even know when Sarah's got this, but she rolled out this definition of mercy that just kind of like, like stopped me dead in my tracks. And Chuck, we're going to do that song in a minute. So what song? The brother thing. Not right now, but just in a minute. Just so you don't close everything completely down. So uh, the definition of mercy is this. The strength and the right to punish. Uh, strength and the right to punish. But the... You always say? Yes, please. Uh, the strength and right to punish someone. And choosing not to. That's what it was. The, the strength and the right to punish someone and choosing not to. That's mercy. Mercy doesn't mean, oh, everything's great. He didn't mean to. Mercy means, I see it. I saw it. It's terrible. I have the right to crush you, and I choose not to. Okay, so the strength, it doesn't mean that you're powerless. Sometimes people confuse mercy with weakness, but actually mercy is one of the most powerful things we have. So the, the, the strength and the right to punish for choosing not to. <clears throat> And so what it says, and scripture says that you delight in showing, or that he desires mercy over judgment. It's like, uh, we kind of get confused about that in Christian worlds because if you're a justice person, you know, you want to see wrong things made right. And then there's a difference between justice and judgment. Because judgment is wanting to punish people for doing, for wrongdoing. So, you maybe missed what I just said right there. Justice is trying to right a wrong. Judgment is when to punish someone for wrongdoing. You'll see this with your kids. Like I remember one of the things that we we worked so hard for as parents. Uh, I grew up in a home that would punish you. We'd use that language, punish you for doing something wrong. But even our own Father doesn't, our own Heavenly Father doesn't punish us because of Jesus. He disciplines us. And so we try very hard as parents to go, we're disciplining you, we're trying to prune the tree. This this clip, this, this spanking, this correction is going to hurt only for a little because you discipline those you love. Are you getting the connection? But punishment, judgment is like, I want you to suffer the way you made me suffer. Do you hear the heart behind that? So, I'm just going to go with you guys. You don't know what's going on. I don't either. So, we're just going to all let you go tonight, okay? Okay. <clears throat> the Lord wanted us to go through Psalm 32. I'm going to give you the best of what I got from him today. Blessed is he who, um, who's got which translations? So, I know. I have NIV. Who's got something ESV. different from NIV? ESV. ESV. Who's got something that's different from those two? Beth? Uh, New Living. New Living? I'm going to give you a different version, a translation, because I want to be on the same page, but I'm going to read, just read along with me as I read from the NIV. Blessed is he uh, whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away. 
through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, and my strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. And then I acknowledged my sin to you, and did not cover up my iniquity. And I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And for some reason, let me just stop here. We want other people to confess. We want other people to confess sins. But you'll notice that there's a lot of eyes here. You all know there's a lot of eyes. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you while you may be found. Surely when the mighty waters rise, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble. You will surround me with songs of deliverance. And then you'll notice that there's like this change. We're not exactly sure he's talking. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. Do not be like the horse or the mule which have no understanding but must be controlled by bit and bridle or they will not come to you. Pay attention to that sentence. Or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the man who trusts him in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing all who are upright in heart. <clears throat> so, let me see if this part actually even matters now. Uh, now, let me pass these things out so you can see how beautiful this is in a different translation. I copied out the message translation. Can I give you these? Let me pass them out. Give you these. Pass them out. I need one myself. I'm not going to read the whole thing again once you get the piece of paper. I just want to draw out, um, I want to draw a couple of uh, phrases. <clears throat> Pretty sure there's enough. Yeah, I have one more for you. Okay. So I love this. Uh, you know, if you've been around church, you've heard all kinds of definitions about blessed, but um, they talk about the happy, he's a happy person, she's a happy person. But actually, blessed means that you found favor with God, that you're in, in joyful surrounding of God. So count yourself lucky, how happy you must be. And then look at the next two phrases. You get a fresh start, your slate's wiped clean. So there's something about very powerful about coming to the Lord when we get our slate wiped clean. Now, I want to be real mindful here about what we're talking about. We know that Jesus paid for the sins of the world. If you've come to him through salvation, then you, you're clean. But on a regular basis, right? On a regular basis, we sin against the Lord. We sin against ourselves. We sin against other people. This is not a surprise, right? We all do that. So they're talking about transgressions, about you keeping a clean slate, a clean slate before the Lord, a clean slate inside your own heart. So blessed are you, favor, you have favor. God holds nothing against you, and you're holding nothing back from him. So in my NIV, it says, who sin the Lord does not count against him. And so in the message, God holds nothing against you, and you're holding nothing back from him. And then it goes on, and you can read it for yourself about how the similarities are. <clears throat> I love verse 7 because it was hilarious. God's my island hideaway. Keeps danger far from the shore, throws garlands of hosannas around my neck. And then he goes on and talks about being a horse and, and bridle. You have that horse and mule. And so, um, 
there's something very important about exercising your free will. One of the most powerful things that you have in the kingdom that was bought with a very high price is your free will. And so the Lord is asking you to make sure that you extend your free will when it comes to forgiveness and confession. And so sometimes I'm, I'm in a, a, let's see if I can edit this here. We, we just did a retreat and there's a lot of unforgiveness in the room. And so you're seeing all these like tensions in these relationships, right? And they're going, I just want to break through. And you're just like going, just forgive. <laughs> just confess your sin and forgive. And then breakthrough will come. Why will breakthrough come? Because you need a clean slate. You need a clean slate. They need a clean slate. You want to hear from the Lord. You can't hear from the Lord because you are going, ah. have y'all ever been in relational environments like this? And so, but it's like there is this, this psalm is trying to tell you, do you want to find, do you want to find favor? Do you want to be happy? Do you want to have this extension, this clean slate? And he's giving you very um, specific things. I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. But before you get there, for some reason, I'm supposed to tell you this story. Uh, that thing about um, uh, verse, chapter, Psalm 32, verse 4. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. And <clears throat> I don't even remember when this was, a long time ago now. Oh, yeah, I remember. Uh -huh. So it's 2008, 2008, and I had been a closet smoker for years. Nobody knew about it. Not even my dearest friends knew that I was a closet smoker. And so um, I would watch the clock just waiting for the kids to go to bed because my kids didn't know I smoked either. And I would go, and I didn't smoke in the house, and I would go outside, and I would just wait for the time that I could go out on my deck and smoke. And it was what the thing that I said, I'm doing this for me. This is what I do for me. And um, the Lord started to tell me, that season's done. It's time for you to stop smoking. I'm going, no, this is the only thing I do for me. And he's like going, this ain't for you. It's time for you to quit smoking. Now, the reason I, I'm telling you this story is I want you to see how the kindness and the mercy of the Lord uses light and showing mercy. The Lord could have smoked me. He could have done all kinds of things, but because he loves me so much, he kept coming after me. It's time for you to stop. This is hurting you. It's going to cost you more than you think it's going to cost you. And he just kept talking to me, and I kept going, I was not ready. So then I, I did this, oh, I'm going to fast for three days, and then I'll decide. You know, I made, I didn't make it 24 hours, you know, because that first 24 hours, you're like, God, God, I have a cigarette, right? So I'm like doing this crazy whole antic, and then one night, um, I got woke up in the middle of the night and felt like there was a hand on my chest saying, I said, it is time for you to quit smoking. Now, you would think that the awe of God alone would be enough to just scare the Jesus right out of you, right? So I kept trying to white-knuckle it and going, okay, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. But I, instead of going to the Lord, I'm over here by myself, and I'm angry, and I'm mad at God that I have to give this up, and I have to give up everything, and that self-pity business, how you've done so much for the Lord. And so the Lord showed me, Psalm 51, which we've talked about a lot of here, grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. You know the scripture? So John D. used to tell us all the time, if you don't have a willing spirit, then just ask the Lord, grant me a willing spirit to be willing, right? Especially when you get in those really stuck places. So I just told the Lord, I, I really honestly did it like this. I went outside, I took a great big drag of my cigarette, and I went, I know that you hate this. <laughs> 
So I love these, and I'm going to quit, but you're going to have to make me want to, because I do not want to quit these. I've I burned a half a pack of cigarettes in like two hours, right? Because I'm just like chain smoking, and I'm just arguing with God, going, I don't know why I can't have this, but I love you more than I love these. And I know that you call this sin. It's not sin maybe for somebody else, but it's sin for me now. Because he said, stop it. And if I continue on and he said, stop it, now I'm at this moment of having to decide who's going to be God. Am I going to be God or is he going to be God? And it's so trivial. Smoking is so trivial to him. But it had become so big to me because I would not give it up. You get what I'm saying? So he just kept coming at me and goes, I'm going to love you until you want me more than you want those. And so I went, all right. I'm just gonna. So every night I would go out and I'd go, here's my cigarettes, love you. And I'm just going to keep working on this until you tell me no. And that, I mean, not no, he's already told me no. So he's giving me the unction to do it. So he tricked me because he's just like that. He told me that he wanted me to fast smoking for 30 days because I was getting ready to do an event, and this is TMI, he goes, I want to do things there that you're out of shape for. You wouldn't be able to keep up with what I want to do, so I want you to fast for 30 days to get in shape to do that event. So I said, I said out loud to him, you should never do this. I said, okay, but as soon as that event's over, I'm going to go have a cigarette and a beer to celebrate. He went, okay. <laughs> he set me up. He totally set me up. <laughs> So true to form, in that 30 days, I gave it up with great, great grumbling, but I started noticing all this stuff that was a lie, all this entanglement about a lie. Smoking was not for me. It was an escape. I was trying to go to him that whatever your thing is that, <sighs> you know that moment? Because everybody's got a different something that'll make me point you out, but everybody's got their different thing where you go, <sighs> that. He's going, I want to be that. I want to be that place that you go to, that you go, ah, that's so good. And I want you to understand that there's something more of me, and I'm trying to give you something more, and I have to get rid of this so that you can go better, different, more. And that's when I realized that the Lord doesn't ever ask you for something, but he doesn't give you more of him. So I gave up this lesser thing, and got a whole lot bigger, more portion of who the Lord is. So, because he's God and he's so smart, I did do that retreat. It was the event. It was amazing. He was right. I wouldn't have been able to keep up. And true to form, I came home, got a beer, got a cigarette, went out on the deck, took a great big drive, and then I heard these words. We don't do that anymore. Before, it was, I don't want to do that. But now something had happened. And he said, we don't do that anymore. Because I've gone to a different place with the Lord. And so, this way, the way this comes back to you, just it's an odd story to tell. But when you sense the presence of the Lord, your hand was heavy upon me. Be mindful about just waving that off or thinking that you're being superstitious or that you're being whatever you're being. The Lord is, you should just kind of break down the dance here. the Lord's hand heavy upon you or you will have it or that's it's going to be a multiple thing because the Lord's good like that 
He's going to keep coming after, hey, this is costing you more than you know. This thing, this attitude, this way of being in the world, even this tangible addiction habit, whatever, this way that you think you're the little god of your life, and I'm trying to give you something better. I'm not saying that you're going to sacrifice for me, because I actually had the audacity to say that to the Lord. I'll sacrifice this for, because I love you. I'm sure the Lord must have snorted in heaven when he said that. Right? But what actually happened is I'm trying to trade the lesser for the better. And so I just want to give you that, that you're making, you're exchanging up. And so then um, what happened at the end of that time of fasting I had to actually go back to the Lord and just own it. So you come back to this verse here where it talks about, <clears throat> verse 5, Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Because here's what I had to confess. It wasn't smoking. It was the heart and the attitude behind smoking. That I was entitled. I got to have my own way. That I deserved this. That's a big one. When you hear people using language like deserve, I deserve this, and they keep putting it in our marketing. Have you guys noticed it? They never talk about our kids. Your kids deserve, I said, my kids don't deserve, sh they don't. <laughs> <laughs> they don't. You know, tell that to people who live in Africa. What do they deserve? Like, just stop this madness, right? So it's like you just gotta get this whole concept about how things work. So I had to come back to the Lord and go, I, I see it, I own it. I wanted what you did not want me to have more than I wanted you. There's the phrase. I wanted what you didn't want me to have more than I wanted you. And I had to confess that. And as soon as you confess that, all of a sudden it starts losing its power. Because that was the whole point of the temptation anyway. Was just to try to get you out of the arms of God. Which brings me to this whole thing. Then the Lord's so kind. He's talking about, you're my hiding place. You're going to protect me from trouble. These surrounding songs of deliverance. And I just now realized we started doing worship. That that's what he did for me last Saturday night. That he surrounded me with the song of deliverance. Right? Because I was under attack. And so that's what that other volume was. Let me turn the volume up on that song of deliverance. So like he's so kind. But then it talks about how the Lord, how close he wants to be to you. I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. Now, if you believe this, let's just say for a few minutes that you believe this. God said, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. Then why are we such control freaks? Like, that's a really valid question. I'm like, just not throwing this stuff out here for you to go, oh, no. Like, write that down. If I truly believe that God's going to instruct me and teach me in the way that I should go and he's going to counsel me and watch over me, then why do I have to control and know every single answer to every single thing? I can't tell you the season that Chuck and I are in right now, he's only given us this much. Here's the instruction, and we want the blueprint, and he goes, here's the instruction. And we're going, well, we will when we get the rest of it. He goes, here's the instruction. Just do it. You don't have to know everything else. And then I want you to pay attention to the next verse. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle. Or they will not come to you. I'm sure that you've heard this taught a thousand times. It's just worth repeating. A horse is a beautiful animal. 
but very rare is a horse that can be even utilized unless it has something in its mouth that's jerking it one way or the other. And a mule is, if you don't ever been around a mule, has anybody ever been around a mule? They are obstinate creatures. I mean, the mules that I was around when as a little girl, they would just take a two by four to them. Have y'all ever been around mules like that? I mean, they are obstinate creatures. They are strong as the day and just so stubborn. So when I think about these things, it doesn't matter how beautiful you are, it doesn't matter how beautiful the horse is and how the pedigree and oh my goodness, everybody's just falling all over it. If the master calls for the horse and it's going off, la la la, it's worthless. If you've ever had to run a dog, we have a dog that until she got trained, you'd call her and she'd just run off. That's a worthless dog that doesn't know its place. And I would come back to you and go, are you being a, oh, can't use that word. <laughs> Pay attention. Are you being like a horse? Are you being like a mule? That you have to have a leash, you have to have something in your mouth to jerk you to go one way or the other, that you're not so tender in the mouth that you, the Lord just doesn't go this way and you go, okay. That you have to be jerked and pulled back or hit with a two by four just to get your attention and get you going down a direction or whipped every step because you're so obstinate and slow to move. There's something to be said about this, and I love this phrase. This is a phrase I saw new for the first time. Or they must be controlled by bit or bridle, or they will not come to you. How quick is your heart to come to the Lord? When the Lord calls, when he says something, when he whispers, when he shows you something, how quick are you to come to him and go, yes, I'm right here. Yes, I'm right here. Now, I just like for you to notice all this beautiful, mushy, gushy stuff about the Lord comes after the part about transgression and confession. Because I really believe that so much of our God life is polluted, diminished, overshadowed because we don't have clean slates before the Lord. If you want to move in power, if you want to move in confidence in the Lord, you got to clean your slate often. And that's just as simple as, I just confess that. I, I just confess, ooh, I blew that. I just confess that. Man, I am still so mad about that. I just confess that. Because if you don't confess it, then the Lord's sitting there waiting, honoring your free will before he's going to come rushing in. You delight in showing mercy. Mercy comes through confession. He who confesses his sin, ooh, what is that verse? Somebody help me. He who uh, confesses his sin finds mercy, but he who... Check the mirror list. I can see it on page. <clears throat> we can Google it. He confesses his first. He refuses. I don't know. I'll come back and find that verse. I can see it in my Bible. So all I have to say is be quick about pay attention to. Here's here's it. Here's the picture that I got in worship. Is he is the light of the world. He lives in us. We're like this shining light, the city on the hill. If you find that your light is diminishing and then your love and your affection for God is diminishing, it could be that you need to take the trash out. It could be that you need to confess that I'm holding this grudge or I have this, I'm worried about this, I'm trying to control this, I don't trust you here. It's like just confess that step to the Lord and then boom, here's, you've got your windows all washed up clean again. It's like we just spent some time washing windows at this house that we're gonna get into one day. And it's like amazing, what happens when you just wash the windows? And it's a beautiful picture of our own souls. How quick are you to wash your windows? Did you find it? Yep. Proverbs 28, 13. Proverbs 28, 13. Just read it out loud. He who conceals his sins does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. 
Is that the one you mean? It is. Tell me again, Proverbs 28. 28, 13. What would I do without you? Or Google. You're cuter than Google. <laughs> <laughs> like we talk about confession and forgiveness that we try to think that this is like um, Old Testament or something like that but Christ is the gateway to freedom he said if you don't experience freedom in your life if you don't experience abundance in your life and I want to take this not just to your life I want to go specifically are you experiencing freedom and abundance in your money are you experiencing freedom and abundance in your relationships are you experiencing freedom and abundance in your purpose? These things come by clean slates. Like pressing and do the work with the Lord. Let's see if I have anything else. Oh, just for fun, I did this and I'm not going to give it to you, but I would like to give it to you as homework. It's for some reason I went back and just got this book about different songs of deliverance in scripture. And there's the song of Moses and the song of Miriam and the song of David and the song of Mary. I can give you this, the verses if you want. It's Exodus 15, 1, and so forth. And Mary's song is Luke 1, 46, and so forth. And David's Song of Deliverance is Samuel, 2 Samuel 22. And what I realized that every single one of them had in common is they start talking about the wonders of God. Every single one of them keep coming back and they start recounting the stories and the goodness of God about what he's done. They're just reminding the Song of Deliverance is reminding them about what God has done in the past. Sometimes when you get stuck, you get sad, you get scared, you need to sing your own song of deliverance over you. Come back and remind yourself about the goodness of God, about what he's done. It's a pretty good indicator about what he's going to do. Oh, one last thing about free will. Um, there is a, let me see if I can make sure I'm saying this correctly. A horse and a mule cannot be trusted to uh, use free will. And your free will is one of the greatest gifts that you can give the Lord. You're not a victim. You're not broken beyond repair. You may have broken places, but you're not broken beyond repair. But because of Christ, your free will is one of the greatest things that you can offer to the Lord. I choose you, Lord. I choose this because you asked me to. I'm going here because of you, Lord. I choose to do this. You don't, you delight in showing mercy. I don't, sorry, everybody's talking at the same time. I want to withhold things from people here because they've hurt me or they, I'm mad at them or, you know what I mean, they've injured me in some way. We just had this crazy thing that happened with our house that we're trying to close in. And we had to consciously, because everything in my, in my world system and all this counsel, I was getting all this counsel. You should go after them. You should, you should take a, a suit against them. You should make a case against them. You should go ask for money. All these people wanting us to go after for vengeance and judgment. And then Chuck and I kept talking about going, but from the Lord, from the Lord, we kept hearing, I've got you. 
You don't have to fight for this. I've got you. Let me be God to you in this. And the world system saying this, but the world's going, choose me instead. Just choose me instead. And watch me come back and have vengeance for you. So I just want to come back and make sure that I plant that seed about free will. But it is a, it's a big deal to the Lord. He paid an incredibly high price for you to have a free will to choose. So when you come into fear issues, hard-hearted issues, I'm not talking to them issues. Um, I can never forgive them. I hear that. You don't know what they did. I can never forgive them. I don't have to know Jesus paid for it already. I hate to play the Jesus card, but comes up pretty much every Sunday, every Wednesday, every Tuesday, right? It's like, do you actually have a right to not forget, to not offer forgiveness because of what Jesus did? Do you actually have a right to do that? Now, you may have to work on boundaries and reconciliation for sure. Chuck's going to teach on that. Um, very soon. We actually have another calendar, but I don't remember which. Um, soon. Soon. <laughs> on reconciliation. Because we feel like God's given us a real insight on reconciliation that's like very different from what we've heard before. But forgiveness is the beginning part. You offer, you confess stuff to the Lord, and then that results in forgiveness for other people. So now I don't want to ramble. I think what I want to do, and I think this may make you uncomfortable, which means, you know, I don't care. But <clears throat> I think I want to separate um, guys and women, and there's more guys and there's more women than there are guys. So we'll let the women break up into a couple of groups. But um, I'd like to spend some time just praying for people, praying for one another, because I think there's some places that people are stuck, and we just need to spend some time praying together. Can we do that? So, let, Chuck, where do you want the guys? Where do you want? Over here? Great. No, wait, you're going to be brought by that meeting. Is there a okay? We'll go over here. Okay, so the guys are over here.